used to see these preachers get up and they got these big old Bibles, you know. And then I found out why they got them. You can't see unless you got a big print. And I guess I'm going to to get me one. I keep. I, keep, I noticed this morning I'm, I'm getting closer and closer to the page to read. But uh, anyhow, I'm glad I can still read. Amen. Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8. I'm beginning to read in verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Find it because I want to share some things with you, please. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Got an old Schofield Bible. It's page 1201. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the Son of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why do he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we all. But the Spirit itself maketh it intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches his heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh his intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in Jesus' precious name. We desire a blessing from on high. Lord, every time I read thy word, I get a blessing. The same scriptures over and over. The old devil says to us all the time, Lord, you know that. You read it over and over. You already read that. You know what that's going to say. And Lord, we understand that he'd have us to do anything in the world but to read thy word over and over and over again hide it in our hearts. 
And I pray, dear God, tonight that you'll show us something new and afresh from thy precious promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, There has no temptation taken you, but as common to man. The first time I ever read that, or the first time I remember reading it, I thought to myself, nothing happens to me that somebody else has not already experienced. That's what it says. Job 5 verse 7 says, Man is born into trouble as the spark fly up. Job 14.1 says, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Jesus promised in John 16 verse 33, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now let me give you something from this verse that I claim so dear. Verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now notice first of all the certainty of this verse or this promise. And we know, I like that, that all things work together. Notice this verse does not say we've taken a toll of the people and some think this promise is true, and some thinks it's not. And some believe it, and some don't. This verse does not say we must have faith to believe this verse. Remember this, please. Faith is not certainty. And knowledge is certainty. Now, there's always some unbelief mixed with faith. Remember the man in the Bible who prayed, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence yonder place, and it shall remove. Remember this, a mustard seed is the very smallest of seeds. And that means then uh, that the majority of that verse means that there's a lack of faith. And so uh, there's always some unbelief mixed with faith. If you have a mountain of unbelief, and yet you have somewhere in there a very small amount of faith, and God will find in that mountain of unbelief that small amount of faith and honor the faith that we have. I believe this. Every man has a portion of faith. The Bible says so. We all have a portion of faith. It's what we do with it that makes a difference. Romans 8.28 does not say uh, we must have faith to believe that all things work together. But it does say we know. Knowledge is certainty. No matter what anybody thinks or anybody says or feels or thinks, this promise is certain then. The next word to notice in this verse, we know that all things... Now, you know what that means? Whatever you put in the all things is covered then. Put it in there. All things, whatever you want to put in all things is covered. Think of the worst thing you can think of that ever happened to you. The thing you thought could never bear uh, up in it. It's like the uh, advertisement of uh, spaghetti. Uh, I like to go shopping anymore for my wife. We buy, I buy groceries, and every time I pass that counter, 
and that can that jar of vigoro was sitting there. I said, It's in there. It's in there. That used to be their advertisement, remember? It advertised vigoro, and it's in there. Well, that's the same as this verse then. Philippians 1 6, God says, He which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, so no matter what is going on in the Christian life at the time, God is working on you to do you good. It's like the old song goes, I'm just an old piece of coal, but I'll be a diamond one day. It simply means that God's working on you. He's getting you ready. A poem goes, my life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors. He worketh steadily. The dark threads are so needful in the master's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. So I'll go on, not knowing. I would not if I might. I'd rather walk with Christ in the dark than to walk alone in the light. That's the truth, brother. Someone wrote, you might not always trace God, but you can always trust God. And so uh, the certainty of Romans 8.28 is we know all things. Notice again the cooperation of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things work together. It does not say all good or all bad, but both good and bad work together for them that love the Lord. For instance... Uh, and I've used this illustration before, and I, I got the more I cook, the more I'm getting it in the Word of God, finding some things that fits. Uh, you take uh, a baking powder alone, it's not good. Uh, you take clabber milk alone, it's not good. You take flour alone, it's not good. Uh, you take lard alone, it's not good. But you take that and put it together, you bake it in a pan, and you have wonderful biscuits out of it. Amen. And that's what the Bible is talking about, all things. You put it in there and God says, it's good for you. Now, the conclusion of the promise, we know that all things work together for good. Now, you can rest on this promise and mark it down in red. If you're a Christian, if you love God, if you're called according to His purpose, you might not understand it now, but the day will come and you will see God and have His best interests in mind and only means you good and God means that for you. Ephesians 5 verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things. No. Notice if you would please. The only way to give thanks for all things is to realize that all things are working together for your good. Notice lastly who this promise is guaranteed to. You know what I find in the Bible in the Bible a great deal lately as I'm reading? All the promises of God have conditions on them. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What is the condition there of being saved? Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can go all through the Bible. Everything that God makes a promise to us has conditions on it. And the condition on all things work together for good to them to love the Lord is, do you love the Lord? Now watch this. The promise is guaranteed to those that love Him. Not just anyone, but only to them that love God. Notice this promise is not unconditional, but it's condi conditioned on, do you love the Lord? Now turn to John chapter 21 with me, and I'll show you something. John chapter 21. And look with me, please. Let's begin to read in verse 15. 
So when they had dined, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He says to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He says to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said to him, Feed my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. You know, when I read that, I thought of all the things that people use for excuses for not serving the Lord. And I believe this with all my heart. If you really love the Lord, you'll serve Him. Amen. Amen. You will. And you won't let all other things in your life keep you from serving the Lord. You'll serve Him if you really love Him. And uh, when, he, when he was asking Peter here, Peter, do you love me? And he was giving him all the reasons for him loving me. And what he was saying is, do you love me above everything else in your life? It's just that simple. Do you love me above everything? You know what? God wants you to tell him you love him. I just believe that. Just every once in a while, I, I say to myself, and I try to say it to the Lord as often as I can, Lord, I love you the best I know how, but teach me to love you more. I want to love the Lord more. I want to be able to count on these promises. Now, I've heard, uh, I've been dealing this week with people that's got troubles. I mean, it just seems like that, uh, I guess as you get older, all your friends around you are getting older too. And a lot of people are having bodily problems and physical problems and spiritual problems. And it seems like the, uh, my phone rings all the time. And some, most of the time I jump every time it rings for the simple reason you're always expecting something bad when that phone rings at my house. And it usually is. But uh, I've, I've learned something. Uh, dealing with people's problems, we all got problems. Everybody has. But it seems like the older you get, the more problems you get. But I've watched something in people's lives. The ones that serve the Lord is blessed all their life. The blessings of the Lord is on. One of my heroes is Dr. Harold Seidler. And I never will forget the last time I got to hear him preach. He was, I believe he was 80 or 81 years old. There was two of his preacher boys at his college helped him to the platform and he come up and, and when he got to hold it, the pulpit he was okay but he couldn't get up by himself. He had that disease they call it something in it's dropsy he would fall over he, he'd just fall over and uh, but, but once he got to that pulpit man he preached just like his old self and what took me about that he had a poem I don't know who wrote the poem uh, uh, the thing but it went on and it started off uh, talking about his age in the poem and where he had been through and what he'd come to now. And he said, but now all of that's behind me is, is the whole uh, uh, meaning of the whole poem. He said, all of that don't mean nothing to me anymore. All I want to know is when it comes time for me to meet my Lord, he'll have no problem recognizing that I'm one of his own. He said, that's all I care about. It's just living the kind of life. And now listen, he'd been preaching all those years and having people saved. And yet, 
at that age of life, he was still happy in the Lord. And still the greatest thing in the world he could do is preach and have the blessing of the Lord on his life. And I've, I've thought about that a many times. That's what I'd like to be doing. That's the kind of life that I want to be. I want to be loving the Lord all the time in such a way that I don't care what comes in your life. It's okay. It's okay. If there's one thing I've learned is if the sun comes up in the morning and God don't take me home, I'll still be here. Amen? Uh, it might not be the best day, but I'll be here. And before the day's out, I can find something good in it. I can find something good in it. A man that helped me more than anything else when I saw somebody in, in a situation that was unbearable was a man that had been paralyzed on his back for nine years in the hospital. And I went to visit him several times. And every time I'd go to see him, I would come out of his room feeling better than when I went in there because he loved the Lord laying there on his back and couldn't do a thing. Not a thing. And I thought, my goodness, I got all my facilities and I'm doing good and I'm healthy and there he lays flat of his back and here I am griping about everything. I just got griping about not being able to find a parking place close to the building and all this kind of stuff and there he was laying on his flat of his back praising the Lord. And I got to thinking, that's what that verse is about. That's what Romans 8.28 is about. All things... Every one of them is working for your good. And what we do, we look for the bad part. I don't like to be around negative thinking people. My former pastor's wife, years ago, me and her were talking in the vestibule of the church one day, and she said to me, you're just an optimist about everything, aren't you? You just look for everything good and everything you happen to you. Do you ever see any wrong in anything else? Why would you want to? I mean, why would you go around looking for dirt? I've got plenty of that under my feet. Amen? I don't need to look for dirt. I want to look for a blue sky. I want to look for something good. And that's what makes a difference in a happy person and an unhappy person. Is one that's not always looking for something bad to talk about and bad to think and bad to do rather than look for something. I declare, God's doing something there. Amen? And, and you can look at it and tell. I've had some of the greatest experiences of leading people to saving faith in Christ Jesus in tragedies. Bad things that happened. I went to the hospital to see a man. And somebody called me and said, Preacher, would you please go see this one? He had a ride in a motorcycle and got in an accident. And I went to see him. His handlebar went right through here. I mean, slapped through all the way through his body. And he was alive. And I went up there and I stayed with him and talked with him. And before it was over with, I got to lead him to saving faith in Christ Jesus. Now I want to ask you something. Was that motorcycle wreck worth it? Absolutely it was worth it. It was good for him to have that accident. Why? That might have been the only way in the world that God could have got his attention to hear the gospel and get saved. And that's what makes a difference. We look at everything in the world that's happening to us and we, we want to blame God and we blame everybody else for everything that's going on. It might be that God's trying to teach you something. See, He's making something out of you that He wants you to be. Now I want you to listen to these verses again and, and read the next one behind it. Romans 8.28 And I'll go with it and, and stay with it for just a moment and I'll show you something that's very important to talk to you. Verse 28 And we know 
that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. Now number one, God's got a purpose for your life that nobody else has. Alright? But then look at verse 29. For whom He did foreknow, so God foreknows everything that's happening to you. Okay? For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn of men, many brothers. You know what God is doing to you? He's trying to get you in the image of His Son. And now watch how He does it. Verse 29 said, He predestinates to be conformed. If you're saved by God's grace, you're in the predestination of God. God's got things in your life that you cannot change. God's always set it in motion. And He's trying to teach you something that you might be conformed to the image of His Son. Now whatever it takes for you to be in the image of God's Son, then it's worth it. It's worth it. And I listen to people all the time. Uh, there's a person just talking to me here a while back about they were devastated because they had lost their job. They had, they, somehow or another they had lost where they was working. I don't know if they got fired. I don't know what the situation was. But uh, I, I laughed. There used to be a man come here to church that served the Lord here very faithfully. And uh, he called me at work one day and he said, uh, Brother Stroud, he was crying. I mean, crying hard. And he said, would you come pick me up at the job where I'm working? And he told me where he's working. I went over. I said, what the world happened? He said, I just got fired. I said, what do you mean you got fired? Well, he just fired me. But he, I said, well, that's okay. Maybe God's got... No, that's not the problem. Would you take me home and tell my wife? <laughs> he wasn't going home and telling his wife by himself, buddy. And I drove him way out, Jenner, and about 50 miles from here to his house. And I went up and knocked on the door and I said, Look, your husband wanted me to come by and, and let you know that uh, he, he lost his job and he got fired on his job. She said, Ah, oh, that ain't nothing. He gets fired on everyone he gets. And so here I was worried to death. He's worried to death. And, and you know, I believe this with all my soul. Now, just taking that guy, for instance. Now, if he loves the Lord, and if he wants to serve the Lord, if he got fired over this job, God's got a better one for him. Might not be what he wants to do, but it might be something that God wants him to do. And whatever it is, is better for him. And if we could ever learn that lesson, whatever it is that we're going through for the moment might not seem good, but it is for your good. Because you've got to remember something. You're a child of God. God's in control. God's predestined that you be conformed. Now, whatever it takes for you to be conformed, if it's putting you in the hospital flat of your back to be conformed to the image of Christ, it's worth it. If it's for you to good, have good health and be able to serve the Lord, it's worth it. God will give you good health. Whatever it takes for you to serve the Lord, God's going to give it to you to if you'll be conformed to the image of God's Son. I used to pray, Lord, give me a million dollars. Lord, give me money. I'll serve you better. But I learned if God gave me a million dollars, I'd probably be on a mountain in Montana summer's hunting. I wouldn't be preaching like I ought to be. Amen? God knows who to trust with money. You think about that for just a minute. And it's the same thing when it comes to life itself. 
God knows who to give certain things to. He also knows who to take them away from, that you might be conformed to the image of His Son. The most, the, the, the greatest thing that a Christian can do is be like Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be like Him. I want to love like He loves. You don't know how to love until you go through things. You don't know how to sympathize with people until you go through things. You don't. And so if you want to be like the Lord and love like the Lord wants you to do, sympathize like the Lord wants you to do, experience things like God wants you to do, then you've got to go through things. But you've got to remember something. You'll always come out on the other end. And you'll be better for it. Every time. Every time. I like what an old man told me years ago, and I've told you this a million times, I suppose, but I keep saying it over and over to myself. Don't get mad till 24 hours. If you're going through something, don't get upset for 24 hours. And then you look back at it after 24 hours, and it's not anything like you thought it was going to be. It's like a person came to me and I don't understand uh, this certain church. Oh, they're across town. They're always talking about me and griping about me and pulling me down all the time. And I said to her, and I looked right at her, and I said, it would surprise you how little they really think about you. <laughs> you think about that for just a second. Here she is on this side of town worrying about what they're saying about her on the other side of town, and they're probably out there fishing or something, having a good time, not even thinking about you. Amen? And here we are over here worrying about everything that's going on. And what God says, whatever it takes for you to go through to get better like Jesus, He'll put you through it and it'll be better for you on the other side. Did your daddy or mama ever tell you when they was whipping you, now this is good for you? Huh? Mine did all the time. And I'm like Dr. I forgot what preacher it was years ago. said, I don't know, Daddy. I don't think so right now. (laughs) He said he learned something. He said if you run up, uh, if you're a little boy, a little girl, and your daddy's whipping you, he said if you run up and grab him around the legs and hang on, he can't can't hit you as hard. (laughs) See, there's a way of getting me around this thing. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're glad we're saved tonight. And we're glad we're children of God. And Father, we want to be more like You. We say we do, but then when hard times come, we have doubts, we have fears. Help us to believe Thy Word and trust Thy Word and rely on Thy Word. We noticed the word hope while ago. We're saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not really hope. But Lord, we, we every day that is assured hope. That's not a doubtful hope he's talking about there. It's assured hope. Everything's going to be okay. We have it in Christ Jesus and we have it in his promises. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Let's sing some, please. Turn to page 12. Please. Page 12.